Hello and welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Picose. And today we have a very special guest joining us to talk about how she got five promotions in the first five years of her career. Her name is Samantha Chris, and she's an international success coach, best-selling author, and award-winning speaker. She's been recognized as one of the top women CEOs and can regularly be seen on breakfast television. Impassioned by helping elevate others, Samantha founded the Bossing Up Movement, which empowers people to step into their potential and create opportunities for success in their lives and businesses. Samantha's diverse education, change management expertise, and business acumen has helped grow individuals and organizations alike. A true change agent, she guides people and projects through obstacles and uncertainties to achieve breakthrough success. You can check out her work, including her book, Bossing Up, and her TEDx talk on setting goals that matter over at samanthachris.com. Samantha, welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. Thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah, it's super special for sure. Appreciate your time. We wanted to pick your brain on this incredible story. I mean, it's got an amazing ring to it. <laughs> I feel like it translates into how to be a high performer early on in your career. But honestly, take it from there. Where, where does it really start? Okay, so where does it really start? It was early on in my career, but it wasn't the first five years of my career. So we'll take it back a little bit. Good to clarify. Thank you. Yeah. And so it was my first five years in corporate. So Perfect. for that reason, I mean, it checks that box, but I wasn't always in corporate. So I studied youth and adult correctional intervention. And my first job out of school was as an addictions counselor. So I was 19, I had just graduated, and I was working as the overnight counselor for a live-in rehabilitation facility. So people anywhere from three to five months would be living there, and sometimes fresh out of prison, sometimes there by court order, um, and sometimes there on their own volition. But it was a really, really challenging job, and one that I realized pretty early on that I wasn't really cut out for, which was... Um, it was like a huge burst to my bubble because I had spent the last three to five-ish years studying that. I Ever since I was a kid, I expected to go into the correctional field. And I had just built this vision of what my professional life would look like around corrections. And when I was in that environment and, and really losing steam. I, the reality was I was not able to leave work at work. So I, I brought a lot of the trauma and a lot of the emotions with me. It didn't end when my shift ended and I wasn't particularly taught how to separate church and state and how to preserve my own energy. And I kind of fell into corporate by accident. Um, I, when I finished, you know, when I made the really difficult decision to leave that job, I was talking to a friend of mine who was like, you know, um, what you, what's your next step going to be? I was like, <laughs> you know, you tell me, what do you think I should do? Just super vulnerable, like open to ideas, easily influenced. I just needed something so different. And she's like, well, you know, you're like, organized and you like getting people together and you're pretty feminine like have you ever thought of wedding planning and I was like no but like that's what I'm gonna do that sounds great <laughs> so I jumped in I jumped into wedding planning I did that for a couple of years which eventually opened the door 
to corporate events, which landed me my job in marketing, which is kind of where the five promotions in five years started. So there is a bit of a backstory before we get there. Good. I'm, I'm glad you shared that though. That's really probably an amazing story in and of itself, just hearing about your pivot from something that it sounds like you were really, really committed to and probably had your identity wrapped around to some extent. And then you said, no, this is not what I want to do the rest of my life. And to move forward from that in itself, I think it's probably another story for another day. But thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it was a really difficult decision. You're absolutely right. I had built my identity, my vision of myself around that field around you know, what I was going to do as someone in the correctional service and what it came down to and, and what gave me peace of mind finally was that my kind of MO is to be of service to people and I can do that in different roles. So I guess I kind of, I was so hard on myself, you guys, <laughs> during that time. I mean, there was like, there was a lot of self-sabotaging behavior and negative talk and just self-doubt that I really had to work through. And surprisingly, going into a more creative field, going into marketing, where I really had to tap into problem solving in an entirely different way, allowed me to get to know myself on levels that I, I had not yet explored and I did mm -hmm. not anticipate. That's really cool. And I think that that's very relatable. A lot of people can relate to that and understand that feeling of like, oh crap, what am I going to do now? And so it's very commendable that you were able to jump into something new and really put your all into it and find those pieces of yourself in this new career. Yeah. I mean, but it didn't come without effort. Right. <laughs> and yeah. so I, I, I do a lot of mentoring. I work with a lot of people. Um, I speak at universities a lot. And so I'm, I'm engaging with people fresh out of school who are saying, I don't know what I want to do with my life. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> you don't need to have it figured out right now. And no. even if you do, the path might totally change. You might get a mega curveball and end up in an entirely different field and love it just the same. Yeah, for sure. So true. It's almost think, becoming like the norm, I feel like now for a lot of us. Yeah, and I think it's really good for people to hear that that's okay. Big time. I mean, you can look at it as, a plan didn't work out or life has knocked you down or you made a mistake or whatever, or you can look at it as opportunity, as another door opening, as another lesson learned about yourself. And, and it's all just data. It's all insight into what you're capable of. And if you gather it as such and you allow it to build a bigger picture, then you start to see things that were just invisible before. But if you keep those blinders on and you convince yourself that there is really only one path and that everything that falls outside of it is not okay, is a mistake, then you keep yourself small unnecessarily for so long. And the, the quicker I was able to come to terms with that, the more excited I got about really everything because everything was an opportunity for me to explore how can I grow as a person, but also how can I grow professionally? And that's what really flipped the switch when I was in corporate was to understand, okay, there are things, there are people, there are realities that I can tap into to advance myself as a person and as a professional. Very cool. Cool. Let's get into the dirt a little bit on that story. So five promotions in five years, it, it sounds so quick. Was it that, was it that fast? 
it was that fast. Yeah. So I, I have like a running joke that I ran out of business cards um, or no, I, my title changed fast enough, like faster than I ran out of business cards. I should sure. practice that story because it's true and I've got to get it wrong. But um, I didn't have like my title long enough to run out of my business cards. And Makes so sense. that was, I mean, does it? I, I don't know. I, it, it, I mean, it makes sense that you ran, uh, that your <laughs> business cards weren't quite in sync, but no, the, the rate of growth seems pretty astronomical. And so is, I'm, I'm just going to ask this on behalf of someone who's early on in their career. Is that an even like, is that a reasonable expectation for somebody to have coming into their career? Totally brand new. I mean, I wouldn't say it's unreasonable because it's clearly possible. Mm -hmm. I don't think that you should go in with the expectation that your title is going to change because there's so much growth that can happen personally, monetarily, like in so many different ways that may not come with the associated title and you may grow more or at the very least as much as I did. So don't get hung up on the title. Um, but sure, it's possible. I mean, I did it. And so I, I, it was kind of a perfect storm. I was in a really fast growth tech company okay. who were pretty young. And so I wasn't the only one making moves. I wasn't the only one seizing opportunities, but I was among the few who kind of had the courage to put her neck out and say, I don't know if this is going to fly, but I have an idea or I have a suggestion or I'm putting myself, I'm nominating myself for this promotion. And, um, there are definitely, you know, it wasn't by accident. I, I was very deliberate in my actions. I made sure that I was constantly leveling up as a professional. I was taking advantage of all the training budget that was available to me. Anything, any lunch and learns, any webinars, anything that was available online, uh, within the company, you know, through the internet, absolutely would take advantage of that. But also my spare time was very much dedicated to growth in understanding how can I be a better manager? How can I be a better leader? How can I be a better employee? Because the more valuable I become in this organization, the better I feel. And so it was in part self-serving because I really loved how I was growing, but I recognized that the more I grew, the more valuable I became to them which is a very good position to be in. Um, so long answer to a short question. Um, sure, it's possible. Should that be your expectation? Not necessarily, but if that is a desire of yours, as long as you're working for it, as long as you're showing up and you're constantly evolving and showing your worth, don't expect people to just find it, to stumble upon it. You've got to let people know what it is that you're doing and why you're deserving of the title, of the raise, of the extra projects, of the responsibility, and absolutely those doors will open. I, I've read a couple of articles recently just around women in business and how sometimes sticking our neck out can be a little bit more difficult for women than it can be for men. Do you feel like doing all that and going those extra steps and, and putting in all that effort, was that something that you were just kind of born into or did you have a mentor that helped you to take those steps? A little bit of both. So I don't know how much star signs have to do with anything, but I'm a Leo. And so my whole life, anytime I've ever taken charge of anything or opted to be the leader of the group or whatever, I've always been told like, oh, typical Leo. And so I think there's some elements of like it just being natural for me on some level, whether it's astrological or otherwise, to say, 
yeah, I want to be the one to take charge here and to really steer the ship. Um, but I am super, super fortunate to come from a family of entrepreneurs, middle class, work for everything they've got people who have shown me that literally everything you want is within reach if you just show up and put in the work. And, and I've been encouraged to do so my whole life. And I have never felt that I've had less of an opportunity or less of a seat at the table because my parents have always encouraged me to speak up, even to their you know, detriment. <laughs> sure. <laughs> to their regret occasionally. Yeah. Love that too. <laughs> Very cool. Being, it sounds like being in an environment where there was a lot of growth things moving fairly quickly, being willing to take some calculated risks and also being really, really intentional in your desire to grow yourself personally and professionally are kind of like, the, that's the beginning of the ingredients list in your recipe for success. Does that sound accurate? For sure. And I mean, you know, just to, to kind of, I wouldn't say bridge the gap because there's not necessarily a gap, but to, to tie that back to what Lisa is just talking about, mm -hmm. it being harder sometimes for women to put their hands up or to stick their necks out. I understand that I am fortunate to have been raised the way that I've been raised and to have had almost like a fearless mentality in forging my path and that it's not the same for all women. And so when we talk about communication and we talk about being an opportunist and seizing opportunities and creating them when they did not seem apparent, there was a responsibility that I carried, that I happily carried as a woman in business that I recognized this isn't just for me, it's for the other women on my team, my peers, even superiors who have not found their voice, who cannot comfortably disagree with management, voice their opinions, suggest new ideas, ask for the promotion, ask for the raise that they quite frankly deserve. And the way in which those things are communicated requires a little bit of finesse. And as I studied, you know, criminology and really learning how to empathize with people, how to effectively communicate and effectively listen, I started to bring in tools from my education and from my past life that I had no idea I would need in the corporate space, which sounds a little naive, but I mean, I didn't expect to go into corporate, so I really didn't know what it was going to be like. And those were such important skills that I continued to develop because I recognized the importance not only for me, but to help forge the path for other women. Very cool. Yeah. So being yeah. part of a bigger story that you're not the only character in, but you're part of an even bigger movement, it sounds like, in terms of how you've kind of conducted yourself throughout your career. Yeah. There's cool. also, it, it kind of ties back to what we were talking about before in terms of making those big transitions and how the experiences that you have, regardless of whether they're seen as good or bad or mistakes or whatever that might be, how they can benefit you longer term in your next career as well. Absolutely. I'm still getting like completely floored at how some of the things I've done that I thought would never be of use to me now come back into the picture and with such perfect clarity. I mean, as an entrepreneur, the ability to negotiate the ability to um you know speak with service providers and vendors and understand where they're coming from having worked with a tech company knowing a little bit about ai understanding marketing at really foundational level as a business owner these are all 
things that have served me so greatly that I, I just couldn't imagine not having. But again, I, I keep my mind open to opportunities and I have changed the way that I approach and just how I show up in the world. Because if an opportunity comes up that doesn't immediately serve me, I start to think, well, what are my longer term goals? And is there an opportunity for this to enhance the way that I will show up there? And it's usually a yes. So I've become kind of a yes person, which is relatively new to me, I think. That's very cool. In terms of your progression, what are some of the other, you talked about kind of your early career setback and pivoting out of correctional work. But were there other moments that really defined your progression while going through your your five promos where you kind of hit an obstacle and you were able to really just crush it in the end and move forward? It's funny, you know, because in hindsight, um, it's all just my life and, and my journey. And so, you know, crushing it, I don't, I don't know. It, it's kind of just how it went. And so, um, but one thing I can say for certain and bringing it back to the importance of communication, what I learned very early on was that people need to be communicated differently, communicated to differently. Okay. And so at the very beginning of my career, I had a female boss who had a deep intrinsic motivator for the team. She wanted cohesion. She wanted synergy. She wanted team wins when she felt that we were working as a unit, that was success. When she saw people happy at work, she believed happy people were successful and high contributing employees. And so early on in my career, I really started to adapt my communication style to what it is that she cared about, to what motivated her. And it allowed me to establish trust with her. It allowed me to uh, take on more projects to be, to really get a seat at the table because she wanted me there with her because I was making her look good. I was showing her that I understood what it is she wanted, what it is she needed and the results that mattered to her. And I made sure that I helped to achieve those things. And with a restructuring, she, unfortunately, her position was no longer necessary and she left the company. I had a different boss and I went in with, you know, team wins and synergy and let's flow and we're vibing and we're good. And he's like, but where are the pie charts and the spreadsheet <laughs> and the data to show that this is a worthwhile initiative? And I was like, Oh, <laughs> and learned quickly that he is motivated by different things. I mean, he, he wanted the team to succeed. He wanted us to work together, but bringing those things to the table as leading indicators that we were being successful was just not, how he wanted to be communicated to is not, it did not roll up into his vision of success. And so when I recognized that he is someone who appreciates process, he's someone who wants to understand what is yielding results and why both very valuable, both different, very different styles of communicating, showcasing data, presenting information, leading meetings, managing teams, and so when I understood that there was a difference in their communication style and preference, I was able to tweak how I showed up for him. And again, linked arms with him. He brought me into more meetings. He got me in front of upper management because I became someone who he knew unequivocally he could rely on to make sure that he got what he needed to succeed as an individual. 
And so when he succeeded, the team succeeded. And that was a really important lesson is that if you, you know, if you pay attention to what motivates people and you speak to those motivators, then it opens the door to further conversation. It strengthens, strengthens the trust between you and really puts you in a position to start initiating conversations that perhaps you wouldn't have known how to before because you know the in, you know the angle that will most resonate with that person. And once I figured that out and kind of cracked that code, I started paying attention to how people communicate differently. And I wouldn't say that I, I was still my authentic self, but I, the angle in which I used to start those conversations to pitch ideas um, was deliberate. Again, you know, it was done intentionally and ultimately was able to push my agenda no matter what it was, so long as I led from a perspective that mattered to them. Wow. That ties, that ties back to a lot of what we talk about in terms of serving people as well. It, it's, you're still being authentic in that you're there to serve others and how you did that changed based on the person that you were communicating with. Absolutely. And when I taught that to my team, they began to be more successful because all of a sudden we're a team that just gets it. And no one knows that we're kind of deciphering and trying to work reverse engineer communication styles. But um, people want to feel seen. They want to feel heard. They want to feel respected. And when you understand that and you lead with that, no matter if you're asking for a promotion, you're asking for a raise, if you can help that other person understand why it matters to them, why it should, you're in a very different negotiating position. I'm just like letting these amazing knowledge bombs just like create <laughs> huge clouds of dust around our listener figuratively so that they can just, you know, let it all sink in somehow. It's I like incredible. to refer to it more as confetti than dust, but that's okay. <laughs> be like, okay, I'll, I'll go with you on that. Your comments about showing up a little bit differently given who you were reporting to, what their strengths were, it kind of creates this little visual analogy in my head here of like, if you're on a sailboat and you're trying to sail into the direction that the wind is blowing from, if you go straight into the wind, you literally don't move, Right it's only through tacking at angles to the wind, adjusting your sails that you actually create progress. Would that be sort of a fair visual to describe it? Yeah, I've, I've never visualized it as such, but I think that that's, that's a really beautiful way um, to look at it and to understand that, yes, that you know, one of the, the things that I talk about a lot, people strive for balance in their lives, in their you know, work, home balance, realities and I'm so anti-balance for a very similar reason is that when things are balanced when you've got two ends of the scale that weigh the exact same there is no movement you are stagnant and I fear boredom more than I fear failure and if I am not moving that's like is not okay <laughs> like, it doesn't feel comfortable for me and so by tipping the scale or, you know, in this case, by adjusting the sail, then you are creating movement and things don't have to be perfectly balanced. That's okay because sometimes you're going to be more social and less into overtime or more. sometimes you're going to spend more time with your family than you will with your friends or whatever it is. And that's just life. And if everyone got 
equal parts of you at every time than you would, you maybe wouldn't flop or drop the ball, but you also wouldn't excel either. And so tipping the scale, adjusting the sale, either way, um, I think it's beautiful. And it, yeah, totally my outlook on things. Very cool. Always love your analogies, Mike. Thanks. It literally just came to me while you were telling me the story and I was like, I have to say this. <laughs> so thank you. That's, that's really on you just to somehow hit that button in my brain that starts that train of thought. Well done. Cool. You talk about and you work around four elements, management, leadership, communication, and goal setting a lot in the work that you do. What's made those four areas your focus? Good question. So leadership is something I'm really, really passionate about. I've been fortunate to have some really great leaders in my career who have been really dedicated to seeing me grow. And I know that that isn't always the case, but having had that experience, it has become part of my mission to lead by example and to create better leaders. And a large part of that is communication. So makes sense that it's kind of one of my fundamental pillars is that if you want to succeed, you need to first clearly articulate what we're working towards and also communicate that there is not only one path to get there. And you say management really. So one of my main core pillars is change management. So not just management on its own, but navigating change and communication is a huge piece of that because when we initiate change, we're going to be met with some resistance, no matter what people can be super excited. People can be, can be super nervous. The anxiety is going to come from the fact that their systems, what they're used to doing day in, day out are shifting and they need to adjust. And that adjustment adjustment needs to have an open door, an open loop of communication, understanding what's changing and why, how are you feeling? What does this mean for us? What happens if we go off course? How are we going to get back on? This doesn't feel so great. Who can I talk to right now? Again, people want to feel heard and respected and seen. And so as we navigate change, that communication needs to be there. And setting goals, which is really something else I'm super, super passionate about, needs to be clear from the onset. Like we need to know what are we working towards because we can keep ourselves busy. We can spin our wheels and we can be absolutely out of time and still not be anywhere and not have made any progress. And so those, I think organically have kind of just been the four things that have been at the crux of my success that I believe if we can master or at least enhance a little bit that we can all be more successful. Very cool. Makes a lot of sense too. They all kind of play into each other really nicely as a system and not just as individual concepts. Right. I think so. Cool. So you've been, you had been working full time while building this entrepreneurial business that you have. How, how did you manage that? What are your tips for people who are starting a side hustle and still working or you know, doing, going through that process? You got to understand why you're starting your side hustle. And I mean like really at the core of it and there's no right or wrong answer. And if you're wise because you really want to serve and you really want to help people, great. If you're wise because you want the additional income, awesome, but go deeper than that. So there's, 
an exercise that I love to use with my coaching clients is the five or seven Y exercise. So we either go five layers deep or seven layers deep. Ultimately, when you can't answer the question anymore, that's when we're really at the heart of what it is, you know, that you're super, super passionate about. And so why, you know, I would say I started and I was willing to put in the extra time and work in the mornings, on my lunch break, in the evenings, on the weekends, and putting this extra time in because it fueled me. It gave, it like replenished my energy. And then, okay, that's not enough. Why did it refuel me? Why, how did it recharge me? And it was, really came down to the fact that I was working with people, allowing them to tap in to a level of their potential they had not recognized. Why is that important to me? Because I feel so many people are coasting, going, punching in, punching out, putting in the necessary work, not really fully understanding what it is they're capable of. And I believe that I have a set of skills that can help them identify that and make them happier people. Why is it important for me that there are happier people walking this earth? Well, because I believe that happy people do better things. They do better for others. And if we can start this ripple effect, and I won't bring you through the full seven, but ultimately I, I answer this question a bunch of times. And at the core of it is I want to have a significant impact on this world. I want to leave it better than when I came into it. And that's got to exist outside of me. It can't just be what I'm creating, what I'm doing. I, it needs to be a ripple effect. I need to help people help others. And so I've developed a career that has allowed me to do that. But that's what kept me going on the days where I was tired on the days where on the months where I wasn't making money from my side hustle, you know, I was, I had the peace of mind that I had a full-time job. Um, but these are the things that when I would reflect on and think, gosh, what is this all for? Why am I doing this? I'm so exhausted. I don't have any social life. What am I doing here that I look back on and I think, Oh, this is for something bigger than me. That's amazing. And it sounds like it ties back to that proprietary goal setting methodology that you use as well. Is yeah, that something that you use in your career and your daily life as well? Oh my gosh. Yes. I'll be such a hypocrite. If I didn't <laughs> use it, that would be awful. Um, <laughs> it is really the foundation of everything that I do. And to be quite honest and full transparency, there are times where I'm either in a rush. I feel like I know better. Um, I just get the use, you know, get into habits and follow this cycle where I, I don't use it. And then things don't go the way I want them to. And then when I'm doing my postmortem and I'm looking, where did I go wrong? It's like, Oh, the very beginning when you didn't align with why you're doing it in the first place, when you didn't really get to the core of why it matters. And if I'm just doing it for vanity or if I'm just doing it for my ego or to look good or because everyone else is doing it and this is where the industry is going, it simply won't work. It's just been a trend that I've recognized in my own life and business. And so it needs to be step one. And so it, it's, I got to practice what I preach. <laughs> it's tough to do though. It's that like, you know, slow down to speed up. Principle. Yes. Big time, big time, which is hard. <laughs> Very hard. Yeah. Um, so we have a, a few questions that we asked to all of our guests that are a little bit more broad. So the first one, what would you say is the most fun you've had in your career? Ooh, um, I got to travel the world in my marketing role in doing their um, 
their marketing events. I was basically running all the trade shows. So I got to travel all over the place, got to meet so many people, got to go to like a yacht party in France and got to have like the best foods and didn't have to pay for any of it, which was great. Um, But I mean, yeah, it was, it was a super great experience. I had a lot of fun doing it and it's, um, I probably had one of the best jobs in the company, to be honest. (laughs) Sounds (laughs) Sounds like it. it. Yeah. Totally. So fun. Amazing. All right. And we talked a little bit about risks, but what would you say was the biggest risk that you've taken in your career? Starting my business when I was unemployed, when I was just let go from a company that had gone under and a newly or in the process of being divorced. So it was like a very, very challenging time. I did not have a job. I did not have income. I did not have really anything nice going on internally. Like I was in just a very negative place and decided, well, you know, might as well start a business. (laughs) (laughs) Good for you. Um, Yeah. Well, I mean, it was there. It had been something that I had thought of for a long time. And it was at that point where I really kind of felt like I was at my lowest and I realized this is going to be what inspires me to get back up because it's not just about me because it was about the community I was building the vision that I had that gave me the motivation to get out of that place and to create this vision of something bigger so risky in the sense that uh, it, it was really the least opportune time but I think internally it it aligned very well amazing and given where you're at now, I think we know the answer to this question, but how did it turn out for you? <laughs> I mean, so far, so good. I'm having a lot of fun. The the kind of where I gave you that I had the most fun in my career was before I started on my own. But what I'm doing now is really the most fun. And I, and I can't say it's one experience or one thing, but being able to put myself out there as me and get paid for being me and my skills and experience and what I bring to the table and getting to try new things. I'm never someone who wanted to quit the nine to five or fire my boss, but I got to say being able to grow my own vision has been, it's been a wild ride. I'm having fun every step of the way. Very cool. Yeah. All right. And last question, what is the best piece of career advice that you've ever received? Listen, I'm a talker. I love to talk if you haven't noticed. And when I'm in meetings, I see Mike like laughing. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I, I picked that up. Um, I'm that way too. Sometimes I get super <laughs> verbose. And if you look at like, I'm editing our show and I'm like, look at this massive wave form where I just spoke for five minutes and Lisa just. Whoop. So you get me. 100%, yeah. Yes. There's, Um, there's a lost art to listening and observing and assessing your audience or the room and really picking up on the nonverbals, what's happening, the energy, people's body language that will tell you a lot more than what their words will tell you. And when you understand them as people, you're able to make more empowered whole decisions. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. We are, we are really trained up here, Lisa, with our almost synchronized responses, but it was, it, it is amazing. Um, you've brought a lot of value to this show and I really feel like you've reflected on probably unintentionally on a lot of themes that we have covered 
in the first 14 episodes that we've got in place on this show. And it's just really, really neat to sort of see what it can be like when someone brings it all together and the kind of success that they can have. It's really inspiring. So I, I appreciate you sharing everything that you've brought to the table today. Thank you. I'm still figuring it out. Yep. I mean, it's coming together. I'm pretty grateful, but I mean, I, truth be told, I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm just having fun with it and I'm allowing myself to, to explore, which I think a lot, you know, a lot of people don't give themselves that luxury is be curious and lean into that a little bit. And it, um, I wouldn't say that it hasn't served me wrong, but it has, it has all contributed to where this is going. Where can people find you? Aside from SamanthaChris.com. I mean, you can go ahead and replug that, but tell us a little bit more about your work. Yeah. I mean, everything, all social handles and YouTube, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook are all available there. I will say if you're not in the bossing up community to join the Facebook group, it is incredible. We are to date almost 3,500 people worldwide really there to support each other. We are celebrating each other's wins. We are helping each other through our losses. We are brainstorming our way to new levels of success and we are linking arms to make sure that we got each other's backs. So entrepreneur or not, if you're ready to, again, you know, that visual of stepping into that next level of your potential, this is a community you want to be part of. So facebook.com slash groups slash bossing up. Love it. I'm going to go join right now. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. I'm already in it. I vouch for everything you just said. It's been fantastic so far to be part of it. Thank you. Thanks. Samantha, you've got another big initiative that's going on right now. It's just kicked off. Can you fill us in on that? Absolutely. I'm so excited because if this didn't make the podcast, I would have been really sad. So this initiative, 365 days of clarity. There are going to be 12 straight months, 12 different experts initiating daily challenges for you guys to follow along and make 2020 your best year yet. The idea here is to really help you walk the talk. So everyone sets intentions, sets their resolutions, sets their goals for 2020, but we're going to be holding your hand through it all and saying, you know what, this is not going to be the year where it stays on the shelf and collects dust. This is going to be the year where you actually move the needle and make significant progress on these goals so follow the hashtag 365 days of clarity on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. It's going to be happening on all platforms to see who the daily challenge host is, but also what the daily challenge is for you and make 2020 your best year yet. Love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm sure it's going to be hugely valuable to the people that get in on it. Thank you. Amazing. So we'll wrap it up there. Thank you so much for joining us, Samantha. Thank you so much for listening in, dear listener, this week. We hope you join us again soon. For the Career Builders Podcast, I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Kose. She was Samantha Chris, and we will be with you again soon. Bye.